1: What is going on everybody welcome to the latest episode of the first and 10 podcast brought to you by blogging the boys powered by SB Nation as always Tony Catalina and Ada Davis here bringing all things Dallas Cowboys and you know it's it's really our first real offseason you know for the Dallas Cowboys at least offseason podcast we got a chance to do last week we didn't we weren't able to give uh, content that is my fault um But as we record this, the the Pro Bowl is just wrapping up. But before we really get into anything deep dive here, Aiden, how are you? I'm
2: today was an interesting day for the first time since the football season kicked off. I chilled on a Sunday. I watched a movie. I'm not, I will shamelessly say I didn't turn on the Pro Bowl. I don't know. How was it? How did you watch the Pro Bowl with the flag football? I gotta be, (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I skipped it.
1: Yeah, I gotta be honest. I am. I worked this morning for Pro Football Network okay. and um when I was done with that, I uh, we ran some errands and I was in Walmart when I was like, oh, C D Lamb got a touchdown in the Pro Bowl. So that's like how I found out. So um <laughs> when I got back, I caught a little bit of it. But yeah, I mean I put a tweet out. I, I missed the old days. I know it's probably never gonna come back and it doesn't probably make much sense to have them go full bore in a football game, but I missed the days of Real football stars lining up in Hawaii, just doing this whole thing. So, um, I, I know it won't happen. So until then, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not really that into it. And I think it's a little bittersweet to see Cowboys players having a good time when the season was such a disappointment.
2: Yeah, I mean, even like the Pro Bowl, even there's no real way to do it. The season's over at this point. Us Cowboys fans, we don't care. And like, even when the Pro Bowl a couple years ago, when they were playing quote-unquote football it was two-hand touch anyway there wasn't real tackling so I just think at some point the NFL is going to decide no we're just going to do away with the Pro Bowl we'll just have the selections
1: yeah and it's tough because you know it's one of those things where they don't give 100% effort and you understand why but at the same time you wonder if the players are hurting themselves by not like giving some effort right because I believe I looked it up. My wife asked me, she's like how much do they make? And I was like $88,000 for the winning team in the in the flag football game. Like I know it's peanuts to some guys, but a, a rookie who makes it like Brandon Aubrey, <laughs> you know, last year Kamonte <laughs> Turpin, like $88,000 to play in a Pro Bowl, you know, exhibition game. That's not little money, you know what I mean? So I and if they take that away and that and that incentive is gone, like they got no one really to blame but the own their own self. Could you <laughs>
2: Man, if if you're paying me eighty-eight thousand dollars to play I get it. It's totally different. What given the amount of money these guys are making, but if you told me like if you're, if you're paying me eighty-eight thousand dollars to play in a football game, man, I am. <laughs> you've never you'll you'll never see me run as fast as oh, yeah. and as, as hard as I've ever yeah ever done.
1: I'll strap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as we kind of move into what we were talking about this week, um. The reason why we weren't here last week talking to y'all is not because we were scared or running away from the Cowboys. I was actually, I take full blame for it. I was traveling, had some technical difficulties. I was on my way to Texas to cover the Shrine Bowl. So that's where I've been this week. And that's kind of what I've been doing. And um, it was a really cool experience, man.
2: Tony, no apologies. You've we've been doing recording for two years, and every every listener out there knows you've never once missed an episode. <laughs> Technical difficulties don't count. You're allowed one yeah. excuse.
1: <laughs> you know, the thing is, I was, you know, I was traveling for me. I went from, you know, Massachusetts, spent a weekend in Nashville, and then went to Texas. That weekend in Nashville, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stay in a hotel. You know pay for the high-speed internet and the high-speed internet was anything but that so it was just a, <laughs> it was a challenge to go me and you and it was one of those last minute things where we're getting ready to record i got the microphone out you're set up and i'm like like i don't have the facilities for this you know what i mean this isn't working <laughs> out like it just wasn't it wasn't working so i digress we're here now we're back and i promise it'll be another two years before i miss another one but um with that being said, I actually, you know, I went to the Shrine Bowl and I know you said you wanted to lead off and talk about it. And, you know, it was awesome to be honest with you. Every, every aspect of it, it was handled like with class, everything about it was first rate, um, the exposure, the access to the players, the the opportunity for the players, the, the way, you know, I was talking to Eric Elko, the guy, you know, the, the player personnel, the president of um, East West Shrine. And he was telling me, he's like, I was like, Really, I was trying to get some inside information about the cowboys. I was like, who are the cowboys have met with? Like, you know, who who are they talking to? And um he was like, to be honest with you, Tony, like everyone meets with everybody and we set it up like that. So everyone gets 15 minutes to talk with everybody. So everybody in there met with all 32 teams. And I thought that was really cool because that's something I don't believe that all these bowls and other situations do. And you know, for the Cowboys or anybody. If you didn't have, like, a good beat on a guy beforehand, there's no excuse now if you get him at the Shrine Bowl, especially with it being at the Star in Frisco. Um, the Cowboys contingent was out there. They had a lot of players, a lot of, you know, scouts, and, uh, you know, they took Schooney, and they took, um, you know, Deron Bland, and they've taken other guys, and, you know, Ye Thomas have all played in this game. I can't imagine they don't come up with at least two or something, you know, cowboys out of this game this year because um, the talent was there and it's right in your backyard and it feels like a, a slam dunk for the cowboys to not do that.
2: Well, I know you've already written about it, but is there any? And you follow Tony on Twitter yeah. writes a lot of. If anybody's not already, he, he, he writes a lot of good stuff both for Blogging the Boys and Pro Football Network. Any? Do we have any Cowboys names coming yeah. out of this? Any guys that? Late round, early round that you want the Cowboys to take a look at?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I think um you yeah, know, I think he's a popular guy, and I'm not really um gonna break any news with this, but Virginia's Malik Washington had a really good day. He's a wide receiver, kids a study, made a lot of plays in practice. Um Caleb Williams is number one target. Taj Washington had a big, you know, big week, a big uh big game USC wide receiver. I'm, I, those are some of the guys that like really jumped off the tape and then you got a Christian mahogany from um, BC who was an offensive guard who played really well and um if you ask any of the guys there even Dame Bruegler put a tweet out like he may have been the best guy in the whole group you know of everybody there he may have been the highest drafted guy and then there's a Quantes Diggers I don't know if you heard the story of this kid um Stiggers, Diggers I, I'll kind of abbreviate it because his story is kind of lengthy but he never played a down in college football. Never played a down. He went to a Division II school, had a family tragedy that stopped him from going to school. So he went home, took care of his family. Um, His mom signed him up without him knowing for the fan controlled league that, you know, the fan, I don't even know how it's called, but he went out there and played the football league with like Johnny Menzel and all them. Played well enough that the CFL scouts saw him, signed him to the Toronto Argonauts for a tryout, ended up making the team. Ended up becoming a starter. Ended up winning rookie of the year at the CFL. And because he never played college, he's still considered at the same par as these college kids. He's only 22 years old. And he got to play in the Shrine Bowl. So he was there working out. And he's got his Toronto Argonauts helmet. He's the only guy there that's actually played professional football. And he he played really well. I mean... He's obviously a seasoned guy, mature guy to do some of the things and things he had to do in his professional life, um, I mean, his personal life. So for him to go there, that was probably the coolest story. I know he had a huge media contingent of people that were really interested in what he had to do, but beyond just the person and the story, he can ball. So I think he's going to end up being somebody's late-round pick, you know, sixth, seventh-round guy, and uh, it's it's just a fun story to root for. Receiver? He's actually He's actually a cornerback. So he plays corner.
0: On your remote to okay.
1: Yeah. A he's, name uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah. So Quantertegas, but you know, I'll kind of wrap up the, the East-West Shrine thing because uh, Brandon Laurie was there from Blogging the Boys too. So, um, as far as the East-West Shrine game goes, like the talent was evident, right? There's guys there. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of intrigue, and I, you know, I don't like the, I, I don't really like the name drop, but I'm sitting on the sideline, and I'm working, right? Like I'm covering this game and. You know, for me and you know us, like we're we're fans. I'm trying to break into this industry, and we do this for fun a lot of the times. Um, We'd do it for free if we if we had to. Um, But I'm sitting there, and to my right is Deuce Vaughn. You know, to the left is Eric Scott Jr. And then I see Trey Lance, and I get to say hello to him. And then you know Frank Gore sitting there watching his kid, and you know Steve Smith sitting there because he got inducted. And I'm just like, this is not only a great opportunity for these kids. This is a great breeding ground of talent, of success, of people. And, like, this is the room you want to be in. So it was just a all-around great experience. I know the Senior Bowl gets a lot more fanfare, but people should not sleep on the Shrine Bowl. It's a quality football game, quality football product. And, I mean, guys like Brock Purdy, Tom Brady, you know what I mean? There's a lot of studs that have come through that game, and you, we can expect – I actually said it to my wife because she watched it, and I was, you know, working it, and I was like, we're going to watch somebody today that we don't know. But somebody here is going to be a star, right? Somebody here is going to end up being a star. And it's exciting to see just who that's going to be.
2: And for years now, for at least as long as I've known you, you've always been more of a Shrine Bowl guy, it seems yeah, like. I've yeah. just, I just—I feel like even like like two years where you weren't going to it, but yeah. I've heard you talk more about the Shrine Bowl than the Senior Bowl. It, you've just seemed loyal to
1: the Shrine Bowl. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that enjoys underdog stories, right? Like I understand that there are underdog stories in the Senior Bowl, but... When you're at the senior bowl, those are the guys that they expect to get drafted. In a lot of cases, those are the some of the guys that first, second, third round picks. I want to see the guy who's got his back against the wall, right? And I think the Cowboys, you know, could use some more of the guys who got that chip on their shoulder, some dudes with attitude. So, for me, I've, it's always been fun to just watch and root for people who are, you know, work hard and you know got a little bit of, uh, you know, a back against the wall, so to speak. But we partly that from the East West Shrine Game to the big game that's coming up this week. Super Bowl Sunday. Um, What are your initial thoughts, Aiden? What do you think? The Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, just kind of rip through what you think. I mean, is Pat Mahomes evitable at this point? Like, what are you thinking?
2: This, it kind of sucks because I don't want to keep rooting for the Chiefs, but they the NFC keeps pumping out contenders that I can't root for. Like, last year was the Eagles, uh, 0 percent chance I'm ever re- rooting for the Eagles in a Super Bowl and now the 49ers like come on I can for the second straight year I have to root for the Chiefs and so I will be rooting for the Chiefs I'm excited for this one though. I mean we're look back at 2019 the last time the Eagles or the last time the Chiefs and the Niners squared off against each other it's This teams are in similar situations now I mean I guess the Chiefs have a slightly better defense so I'm not expecting a super high scoring affair in this one I mean, I'm no betting man, but the under seems pretty pretty juicy to me if I were to bet anything. But still, I'm expecting a very competitive game. And so, to me, I'm just happy with the... I would have loved to see Ravens-Lions, but it's going to be a competitive game. So, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm there with the Ravens. I thought the Ravens played well enough that they could have gotten there. But that's why I say, is Pat Mahomes... Is, is he inevitable, right? Because he just finds the way to win a year that you say, okay, this guy, um, they don't have it this year, right? They don't have the talent. They don't have the wide receivers. It's Pat Mahomes getting frustrated on the sideline. Travis Kelsey's like, distracted. Whatever the case may be, the, the Chiefs needed to turn it on, and they did. Like, I, the one thing that pointed out to me, I might have said this a couple weeks ago, is when it came to the Ravens, it just felt like, when they were playing the Ravens, excuse me, it just felt like they brought the energy. The energy that I thought Baltimore was going to come with, the Chiefs actually brought. Like, Kelsey had an edge. Mahomes had an edge. They were doing the petty stuff before the game, which doesn't really equate to anything, but you can kind of tell what their mindset was. And then, you know, because this is the Cowboys podcast, I want to bring it back to Dallas. For me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, we got a lot of guys that love telling you about it, right? They got a lot of guys like Michael Parsons. that will tell you about how bad they want to win. Jaron Ron curse. will tell you a lot of things that he, you know, just, we got a guys, the guys that will sell you the fight. Right. But, but I want some guys who are ready to fight. So for me, it's, it was frustrating to see a couple of the teams who, who just didn't just talk it. They lived it. And that's kind of why I think these two teams are here. Right. The 49ers fear, no one, the 49ers come into a game, not a scared, not scared of anybody. And then the chiefs, been to six straight AFC championship games. They're not worried about it. This is a very familiar territory for them. And then they go out there and they, and they prove it. For the Cowboys, and we know as fans, we talk about how sick to our stomach we get for wild card games because we don't know what that feels like. You know what I mean? We don't know what it feels like to step into a game with confidence in the playoffs and say like, hey, we're just going to go out there and do what we've done the first 17 weeks of the year. These teams know how to do that. You know, it's and it's, it's, it's tough to see a guy like Brock Purdy who's Mr. Irrelevant, two games two NFC championships in two seasons. Um, But you know what? The Cowboys aren't there, and I don't think anybody thinks they are. And right now, they talk about all in. They got to be all in because we're not... I don't think we're even close to these teams, to be honest with you right now.
2: Yeah, I think you kind of touched on it. It was the fact that last week, the 49ers came out, and they got punched in the mouth early by the Lions. Like, halftime, most Detroit fans were looking at Super Bowl ticket prices. Like, that was... It was about as one-sided as you can get but then you start listening to like sounds of the sideline and George Kittle like talking coming over to Brock Purdy and saying this is going to be a, a like when we come back in this I'm going to say they had us in the first half not going to lie and just like that swagger from George Kittle just be like yeah we're going to come back we're going to win this could you imagine the cowboys doing that like I I love Dak and I'm going to defend Dak but when you when they were panning to him after the packers punched him in the mouth it looked like Dak Prescott had just gotten hit by a semi truck, and like CeeDee Lamb's, there was some drama there. They pan over to the other players. It just like it looked like we got punched in the mouth because we did, but there was no aggression to like, yeah, we got punched in the mouth, but we're still gonna win this. We're still the better team. The Niners proved last week like they did something that I couldn't see this Cowboys team doing of just like, we're the better team. We're gonna come back and we're gonna win this. It's fine. I could you see this Cowboys team ever doing that?
1: It's no man, because I think I've said it on this podcast a few times. I've always thought they were front runners and it felt like disrespectful. It wasn't trying to be disrespectful. But at the same time, if the situation wasn't perfect, if they didn't come out to a lead, if they didn't get a stop on the first series, if they didn't score a touchdown on the first series, it just felt like, okay, we're going to be in a dogfight, even if it didn't need to be. It just... The only time all season long, and I'm probably missing something, but the only time in my mind that sticks out where they were able to weather storms was the Seahawks game. And the Seahawks game was only able to weather the storm because the offense was clicking. But there's there's a time when you're sitting there and like, okay, things aren't going right. You may have to punt a couple times. Can the defense get a couple of stops? Can the offense go and bail the defense out? Can the defense bail the offense out? And the question is when the, when when it happened, when it needed to, it didn't happen, right? Like, the Cowboys play Green Bay 10 times, and I am I think they win the overwhelming majority of those. But in the day where they needed it, in the moment where they needed it, the Packers stepped up and the Cowboys wilted. And that's the toughest part to realize that you can have all the talent in the world, but they're still missing a key ingredient. And what that key ingredient is, is, you know, it, you'd probably be a billionaire if you knew, right? Like you just, you're trying to figure it out. It's been 28 years and we still don't have the answer to that question.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com. It's
2: only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans.
1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas.
2: I here's one thing I'll say. It's it, this is not the only ingredient that the Cowboys need, and it's not the main reason that the Cowboys are eliminated. But you can look at the other divi- the AFC and who came out of the AFC as pretty strong evidence of what the Cowboys will need to get over the hump. The Chiefs defense so far has played the Dolphins off- offense, arguably one of the best in football, if not the best. The Bills offense, which over the second half of the season was probably the best offense in football. And then the Ravens offense, which is arguably the most consistent offense in football. And there that Chiefs defense so far has allowed a combined 13.5 points per game in the playoffs. That is obs- That is like I Patrick Mahomes is getting a lot of, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the whole story, like Yes, that offense, they don't have a ton of weapons and they've done great with what they've had. But that defense allowing 14 points against three of the best offenses in the NFL, the Cowboys, they, they got their, they got trained, they got steamrolled by Jordan Love and the Packers. That Dan Quinn earned your money, man. Like, I know he's now gone and we'll get to that in a little bit, but if you, I don't want to hear the defense talking. after Like, you got steamrolled by Jordan Love and the Packers when this Chiefs defense not a lot of people are talking about them, but they are quietly shutting down the NFL's best offenses. Dak Prescott had a bad first half. Yeah, if the defense showed up and they shut the if if they shut Jordan Love down, which they should have been able to do, we might be, we might have walked out of that game because Dak Prescott did eventually turn on the second half. I know it was too late at that point. We can the offense isn't completely faultless in that game, but all I'm saying is, if the Cowboys' defense showed up and played the way that we know they could have played in the playoffs, like the Chiefs' defense has done for three straight games, it might have been a different playoff run. I
1: totally agree, and it's and it's part of the reason. What, and we'll parlay it into our next topic here is to talk about Dan Quinn. But you're absolutely right. Like the defense, it just it was perplexing, and you almost seen like a a. a a leaking ship at the end of the year, right? Like it just seemed like as good as the offense was at times, the defense wasn't able to make plays. And even when they did, it seemed few and far between. And you saw the production. Now I know the, the advanced stats tell you that Michael Parsons is still the dog. And I, and I absolutely hundred percent agree, but like the get home rate on, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and, and Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler and Micah Parsons and this feared pass rush, just wasn't getting home, right? Whatever the case may be, offenses were scheming them out of the play or they weren't able to finish or whatever the case may be, coaching player-wise, the Cowboys just couldn't get it done. And so you look and you see a culmination of a body of work or a leaking vessel here where the ship is sinking and, and you say, okay, Green Bay Packers are the result of that. Dan Quinn is no longer here, right? The conversation turned to do you remember for years the last few years, Mike McCarthy is out. It's going to be Dan Quinn's team. It's going to be Dan Quinn's team. And then in the in like a you know, a flip of the a switch, everyone's like, Dan Quinn can go. You know, everybody can go. We can get rid of everybody. So the reality is Dak's staying. Mike McCarthy's staying, but Dan Quinn isn't. Dan Quinn will go be the head coach from Washington. And we haven't had a chance to really digest that yet. So I want to ask you how you feel about that. Do you feel a lot about, you know, similar to what I just said and felt like this, you know, they needed a fresh face and a new voice or or where do you stand with the whole Dan Quinn thing?
2: I I think it's very similar to the way I feel with about Helen Moore leaving. More than likely, I do think this defense is going to regress a little bit. I don't think you're you're likely, it's going to be hard to hire an upgrade over Dan Quinn. With that said, I'm okay with the Cowboys doing it, knowing that this is—it's Jerry's already said he's quote unquote going all in on 24, 2024. We know based off the based off the Mike McCarthy contract, they're essentially doing the same thing. If the Cowboys are going to go all in on 2024, we know that over the back half of 2023, you just mentioned it. Dan Quinn's defense was not the same that it was. In fact, if you look over the past year, if they weren't forcing turnovers or getting sacks, the defense was actually pretty porous, especially if they weren't playing with a lead. So if you're going to go all in on 2024, chances are you're not going to find somebody better than Dan Quinn. But I'm fine taking the chances that you will, given that, okay, let's just push our chips in. Let's see what we can do. Let's, Let's get crazy with it. Maybe it's Mike Zimmer, maybe it's Ron Rivera, maybe it's Joe Witt. Who, who knows who it is, and chances are they're not going to be able to outperform Dan Quinn, but I'm comfortable giving it a shot because I'm ready to see what going quote-unquote all-in on 2024 looks like.
1: When you, you flesh it out, right, and you look at the tree of blame here and all the roots that are attached to it, um, they may all lead back to Dan Quinn, but I still want to ask you this question – was it the scheme? Was it the coaching or was it the players? You know, two out of those three are fall on the shoulder of Dan Quinn and his and his staff. But where do you f- see the blame here? Because if it's on the players, if you think that the players failed Dan Quinn, these are Dan Quinn's players that we've been hyping up for three years, right? He's drafting his guys, he's putting what he needs together. Wanye Thomas, you know, he's using Marquis Bell as a linebacker instead of a safety. A lot of these moves that we were applauding in the the, you know the out of the box thinking that Dan Quinn was doing and turn around and bite us in and in, you know the backside when you sit here and say yeah it's kind of messed up when you got a 210 pounds linebacker and you got nobody else for depth and and your best linebacker is also your best pass rusher and they don't trust him to be off the ball and and when he's pass rushing people just run away from him and it just seems like a lot of things that just just started to look uglier as you looked at it deeper. So I ask you, you know, in a roundabout way, do you blame the players? Do you blame Dan Quinn? Or ultimately, is it just all in DQ?
2: No, I think it's a combination of, I guess, call it scheme slash, like, game situation. And the second half is players. I think a lot, and it became evident over the back half of 2024, or sorry, 2023, this team really 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 relied on its pass rush. Like I'd say 80% of the defensive talent if not more lied in the pass rush. And so when teams were able to deviate from that, when they were when they were able to establish the run early, when they got up on the Cowboys, when they were playing with a lead, then okay, you don't have to play into the pass rush. You can now play into the quick passing game, you can run the ball. And, oh, now this Dallas Cowboys defense looks entirely beatable because, I mean, Jerron Bland had a good year. But outside of that, the secondary, let's not act like the secondary was amazing. The linebacking core was pretty piecemeal over the back half of the year. Safety's all right. Nothing to write home about. And so this team can be beat. If you're able to mitigate the pass rush, and I think a lot of teams were able to mitigate the pass, were able to mitigate the pass rush over the back half of 2023, and that's what made the defense look so beatable. And so I think it's a combination of the just us not having the secondary slash linebackers to cover that up, to cover up that weakness, paired with the fact that he was getting out schemed by teams who realized, okay, just don't let the pass rush get home, but we can beat this defense.
1: Yeah, and I'm there with you. And I guess I have a question off of this for you. We we understand it's not Dan Quinn anymore. We understand that he's not blameless in this and that part of it's the players. But I'm a man who believes in continuity. So I was kind of a little less enthused to get rid of Dan Quinn because I feel like comfortability helps, you know, play faster, helps you kind of dissect quicker and diagnose. Um, but with that being said. With the new guy coming in, do you worry? I know you talked about natural regression, but do you think it it's like a steep drop off? Because Dan Quinn had a plan for a Marquise Bell. Now that safety room, if he comes back to being a safety, is a little different, right? Like Jaron Curse probably isn't here. What do they do? A Malik Hooker? You know, um, Donovan Wilson just got paid. Like now it's a stacked room with the Israel Mukwama who didn't play much, and Eric Scott never took a snap in the regular season, and he was supposed to be a Dan Quinn guy. So. You sit here and you're like, like, what are we gonna do? If it's like you mentioned, we'll get to it. We'll have a whole section of it and we'll talk about it. But somebody X, Y, or Z comes in, all these players, and, and now they gotta fight for the jobs, and maybe they don't fit into the mold of the new guy system.
2: I think a very, very underrated piece that Cowboys fans are excited about in 2024, but it hasn't been hasn't been discussed as much. The return of Trayvon Diggs, I think, is going to be Massive for this defense when you have Trayvon Diggs, Duron Bland, and I we'll see what they do with Gilmore. I don't really know what they're going to do with that slot guy, slash what they're going to how they're going to move Duran Bland post Trayvon Diggs returning. But like Trayvon Diggs and Duron Bland, now that's a formidable secondary. That's a secondary that you can build around Set, safeties. I mean. Safeties and linebackers, I expect the Cowboys to address this offseason. Hopefully that's part of Jerry's quote-unquote all-in plan because that's two areas I think the Cowboys can strengthen. But this new defensive coordinator getting to work with Diggs and Bland, I think that's going to be massive because now a secondary goes from an area where I'm like, eh, about to like, okay, now the Cowboys have one of the best secondaries in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm mean i nervous a little bit, right? But you've seen some of these guys come back with knee injuries, and, and they're not the same in that first year. So I don't know True. what to expect from Trayvon Diggs. I hope – I mean, he's, a, he's an athletic freak. He's young. Um, it happened early enough in the season where, like, I feel like he can come back quicker. But I just hope that we get, you know, at least – if it ain't the best version, a, a really good version of Trayvon Diggs next year, because like you said, it's going to go a long way. Um, whoever that may be calling the plays. So let's parlay and jump right into that here. What do you want to do, man? I know the names, right? The in-house is Joe Witt Jr. We talk about Al Harris. Um, we talk about um, the names getting thrown around like Ron Rivera. And we got some guys like, you know, Mike Zimmer, a blast from the past. And then you got somebody who's uh, a dark horse that I'm seeing today is like Wink Martindale from the Giants. Yeah. So, where, where do you stand on this? Who is your, you know, early pick that you want? And I'll kind of let you get on your soapbox here a little bit.
2: I, so I'll rank those five names based off what you just gave me. I think it would be number one is, I think my guy right now is Mike Zimmer. I understand it's a little bit of like the quote-unquote safe pick retread option. I do think Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator, like under the, under Mike Zimmer, those uh, Vikings teams had some really good defenses with not a lot of great weapons like can you think of like who were like Patrick Pearson for like who are the names on that those Vikings defenses under Mike Zimmer and yet they always seem to have a very solid defense that kept getting them like Case Keenum let was in an NFC championship that's because the defense was <laughs> that like that it was a the defense took the place so I think I understand a little bit of a retread a little bit of a boring pick I still think Mike Zimmer, there's a lot of meat on the bones there with him as a defensive coordinator. I think Mike Zimmer would be my number one guy. Number two, I want a fresh face. I'm actually might lean Al Harris. I understand Joe Witt's like the next up successor. I just worry if we bring in Joe Witt, it's going to be a lot of a Dan Quinn 2.0 type of thing. Maybe I'm completely like, I don't know. I don't know what Joe Witt will be like as a DC, but I think Al Harris actually might be my second pick just because I want somebody completely new. The players seem to love Al Harris. I guess they also like Joe Witt. So I guess two and three to me is Joe Witt, Al Harris. Interchangeable. I think I'd lean Al Harris, but Joe Witt clearly seems to be the next guy up, so I have no issue with Joe Witt at all. Number four, I think, would be Wink Martindale. Not a ton of creativity. also or Obviously, he's Mr. Blitz. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues with Wink Martindale. I still think as far as defensive coordinators go, you can go a lot worse. And to me that a lot worse is like Ron Rivera. I just see Mm. Ron Rivera to me is completely uninspiring. I don't think he's that great of a defensive coordinator at all. We just saw the, the commanders this year were like historically, a historically bad defense. So I don't know, like I understand Ron Rivera wasn't the DC, but like if he's that good, if he's, that inspiring of a defensive coordinator pick, why did he just have, why why was he just leading a team that had the worst defense in football and it wasn't even close? So to me, that would be my ranking of the five. I want to hear yours.
1: Yeah, ranking of the five is so tough for me and I'll do it for you because I like the exercise, but I don't, I'm not in love with any of them. I'm really I'm not. I'm not either. I, I should have
2: prefaced that by saying, I don't think any of them, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I man. agree.
1: And my thing is, so I look at it And I look at some of the words they said, right? I remember Al Harris was talking to Adam Schefter and said, if Dan Quinn goes to Alaska, I'm going with him, right? That's paraphrasing. But Al Harris is a Dan Quinn guy. Joe Witt is a Dan Quinn guy. So those two guys right off the bat, like the Cowboys would have to be seriously in love with these dudes to keep them, right? Because they're going to have to show it with the financial you know, the financials and somebody made a great point, forgot who it was, but it seems to be a talking point. If you're Joe Witt, do you go to Washington and get the three years of stability or do you ride with Mike McCarthy in the one year lame duck situation? There's not much stability here, right? Like you can have internal confidence and say, you know, I'm going to turn this defense around and we're going to be the real deal. Mike McCarthy is going to get an extension. We'll be fine. And you can bet on yourself or you can just Go to Washington and get that with a guy that you know and love and trust, and he brought you with him. And so there's a lot of variables, a lot of internal go ahead. I think you're about to say something.
2: I was just gonna say it it could be a Kellen Moore situation where you only need to see him for a little bit to say, okay, even if we do bring in a new guy, we'll keep like Kellen Moore stayed on with Michael yeah. McCarthy because it was like this guy seemed he knows what he's doing. But sure. you're right, keep yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So I, I'm I'm with you. I I'm I think number one for me is Mike Zimmer, right? Cause he's got the pedigree. He's, you know, like you said, he's orchestrated some good defenses and I'm just nervous about it because I worry about this team. We talk about how tough the 49ers are and we talk about how tough Detroit is and we talk about how tough, you know, Kansas city is like, Mike Zimmer is going to be a tough coach. He's going to bring like energy to this team that like Dan Quinn was not Dan Quinn was accountable and Dan Quinn was a great coach and, and, you know, all those things but he wasn't like a hard-nosed guy like Mike Zimmer is. Mike Zimmer is going to get on him. Mike Zimmer is going to bring energy. And I don't know if the younger kids are going to respond to that. You know what I mean? Like I'm speaking as a young, I'm 32 years old, but I don't know if these 20-somethings are going to love getting screamed at on a Wednesday in the you know, week eight when they're tired and their body hurts. And Mike Zimmer is going to demand something. Yeah, it might they might respond to it, but like, what you're younger than me, <laughs> the, the young kids <laughs> like getting screamed at anymore. Like I just I feel like that's like a counterproductive activity at this point. Yeah, but I
2: mean, do you think a little bit of toughness might be good for this team it, that it just is. completely folded in January?
1: If they res- if they respond well to it, like there's yeah. two things, right? There's two things that I could see. It's they could either respond well to it and get the most of them, or they shut down and be like, "We don't like this guy." Like, and and I'm scared of the latter. Right? I'm scared yeah. of. Of them, whatever. So I, I hope they're tougher than I'm, my conscious is thinking about right now, but I digress. So if I, in order, I'd put Mike Zimmer one. I'd probably go Joe Witt two. I'd go, honestly, I'd probably, where I'm a little higher on Ron Rivera than you, but not much, I'd probably put him at three. Um, and then Al Harris a four because... He's a vibes coach. He's coaching vibes. He's yeah, coaching. That's, you know, he's not, he, that's my thing. You know, he's not really yeah. coaching scheme. He's not scheming up a defense. He's just like somebody who can teach you how to play corner, but not much else. Um, And then what did I say? Wink Martindale at five or. Yeah. yeah. So and Wink Martindale at five is it's intriguing because he's going to bring the house. He's going to bring like a Banshee style defense, which is fun. But if you don't cut the horses in the back to cover, it's not fun. and that's kind of what we saw in new york it's It's not fun when you're getting absolutely torched because you you can't get home. So um ultimately, I think it's gonna be Mike Zimmer because this is such a Jerry Jones move, but I, I gotta get on board with it, right? like because it is what it's gonna be, and there are some traits to feel excited about, but there's definitely some apprehension there for me
2: so there was an NFL owner that came out today and said that jerry jones quote-unquote wants to hit a home run do you like what is, what do you think jerry jones sees as a home run is it mike zimmer like
1: <laughs> not all these what, what's singles. a home run to yeah. jerry
2: jones yeah, yeah. i just these don't know what quote unquote, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't like i don't even know what that means jerry it's a defensive coordinator like uh,
1: a home run to I don't, me is is somebody from the a tree of young like mind. bill belichick like that's what yeah and he ain't gonna be a dc no you know and but yeah that would to me that would be a home run right somebody of that i don't
2: know yeah
1: mm, it it sounds like they might be going to college but you're right like there, like what is a home run at this stage in the game (laughs) you know what i mean like all of this all of the head coaching positions are filled like you're you're honestly on the back end of everybody trying to figure this out like this should have been hopefully sorted out weeks ago and it's not so i really don't know what he wants i mean it sounds like a home run yeah jerry wants a home run in every aspect of his life but is it realistic i don't know
2: i mean that's just that's what's being reported today that like jerry wants to, i don't i don't know what a home run means like jerry <laughs> show me a home run but yeah. if it's mike zimmer that's not a home run jerry no learn this, what a home run is
1: to me like getting mike zimmer feels like a like a it's like, like a, a like a four pitch walk, <laughs> you know what I mean. I
2: I think it's like a double in the first inning with nobody on base. Like sure. it's fine, yeah,
1: but it's and, not anything that I'm gonna get out of third. my seat
2: over. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna
1: get out of my seat over this. Yeah, right. So I mean, it's yeah, it's we got to have baseball analogies because the Rangers won the World Series and it's gonna be who knows when the Cowboys <laughs> won the Super Bowl. So, but no, before we get out of here, we'll get out here in the next minute or so. Give me your final prediction, because I bet you before the next time we meet it'll be sorted out.
2: Uh, I think. I think it's going to be Mike. I'm I'm really think it's just like a two horse race between Zimmer and Rivera right now. I think what's going to Washington, like you said, so I think it's Zimmer or Rivera. I'll say Rivera so I can hedge my bets that I'm either <laughs> wrong or I'm yeah yeah
1: I'm with I I think it's Mike Zimmer I think the soon as that came out that he was interested this is a Jerry classic move a buddy a friend a pal somebody who's been here who understands what it takes to coach for the Cowboys I think it's gonna be Mike Zimmer. Some people, you know, there are going to be, like you said, there's going to be some things to be excited about, but I think people in this fan base are going to talk themselves into it way more than it should. And with every aspect of this team from this point forward, I'm going to, I need to be seen it. I need to see it before I, I talk about it. So show me, don't tell me, but I think it's going to be Mike Zimmer. And like I said, it'll be fine. It'll, we'll see what happens. I'm a little nervous about it, but it's the world we live in right now in Cowboys nation. So uh, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add?
2: Go Chiefs. Please don't. I don't want to see Brock Purdy (laughs) hosting a Lombardi, hosting a Lombardi, so go Chiefs. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm picking the Chiefs too. Uh, With that being said, though, we'll see what happens. It'll be fun either way. But from Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis, another episode of the First of Ten Podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys. Catch you guys next week in the real offseason. The Super will be over, and it'll be a long time before we're talking real football again. Peace.